We'll take just one verse this morning for our text from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 5. This is one of the Beatitudes mentioned in Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. With the Lord's help this morning, we'll consider the virtue of meekness. As with so many things in God's Word, this is something that is really misunderstood by the world. As with many things, you have a worldview and you have a biblical view. Meekness is no different. Of course, the Word of God tells us this is also one of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians, it gives us a list of those things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. But again, we have a biblical view and we have a worldview. The world's view of meekness, often we've probably heard it said, is equated to weakness. In spite of the fact that God says that a meek and quiet spirit is of great price under the Lord, it's something that most commonly is probably looked looked down on from the world. It's possibly one of the least admired character traits in America. I read a story about a man who was going to try to come up with a support group for a group of meek and timid people that he knew. So they decided they had to come up with a name for their organization, and after deliberating about it, they came up, they decided to call themselves the Doormats. And that is an acronym for the Dependent Organization of Really Meek and Timid Souls. Thought that fit pretty well. And they thought, well, we need a motto for our group. So they decided to take that verse, Matthew 5, 5, and add a twist to it at the end. The meek shall inherit the earth, if that's okay with everybody. This, of course, is a story to illustrate what most people's idea of meekness is. But the Word of God has a much different opinion of meekness. Even definitions for the word vary. You have definitions like submissive or passive, deficient in spirit and courage. That doesn't sound like anything very positive at all. Jesus himself said he was meek and lowly in heart. So we definitely can see there's a difference of opinions here. I thought of some other definitions actually that I found that were very good that I thought would go along more with what the Bible's idea of meekness is. One definition is a humble attitude that expresses itself in the patient endurance of offenses. Weak people can't do that. That takes great strength of character. A humble attitude that expresses itself in the patient endurance of offenses. Offenses will come. We know that. The Word of God tells us that. But meekness will give us that patience to endure those things. Somebody said the difference between a meek person and a weak person is this. A weak person can't do anything. A meek person, on the other hand, can do something, but they choose not to. So we see meekness is evidenced in self-control and 
uh, an even temperament. These are things that would be considered meekness. It's been said the only similarity between meekness and weakness is that they rhyme. An old-time minister once put out a challenge. He said, if you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. See how it goes. It is a challenge. Meekness is also a willingness to submit and to work under authority. Willingness to disregard one's own rights and privileges, especially for the benefit of someone else. In the original, when this word uh, meek was used, the Greek word was a word used to describe a broken colt. A wild stallion that was brought under control. And so we get this idea of strength under control. I think that's probably the best definition of meekness. Strength under control. You know, it doesn't diminish the power of that animal. It just bridles that power and makes it useful and helpful. I was thinking about nuclear power. We've all probably read and seen the devastating effects that Nuclear power can cause when it's unbridled and unleashed, especially in the form of a bomb or some weapon of mass destruction. It, it destroys everything around it, but you can take that same power, that nuclear power, and you can bridle it and channel it, contain it, and it has some wonderful benefits. They say even a nuclear-powered power plant provides low-cost energy, emits zero emissions, it uh, provides sufficient fuel availability, much cheaper and cleaner to run than a typical coal-burning plant. So we can see uh, it doesn't diminish the power of that nuclear power, but brought under control and bridled and channeled in the right direction can have great benefits. Proverbs provides us with a picture of the kind of power that a meek person possesses. Proverbs 16.32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. It doesn't use the word meek, but it certainly describes the characteristics of somebody who's meek, slow to anger, able to rule their spirit, mightier than the man that takes a city. You contrast that to the one who lacks meekness. Proverbs 25, 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. The one with no self-control, the one who lets his passions and his anger run wild and unbridled, it says he's like a city that's broken down, no defenses, the walls are gone. So we can be like that one who's mightier than the man that takes the city, or we can be like that broken-down city without walls. We know, too, meekness doesn't weaken us, it strengthens us. We yield what we find we cannot control. Our wills, our natures, our passions, our temperament, those things that seem to get the mastery over us, we take those things and we consecrate them and give them to the Lord, bring them under the Lord's control, then you'll find there's a strength there that you never realized you had before. The Apostle Paul tells us his strength is perfect in our weakness. Paul was able to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. And again, when he was saying weak there, he wasn't talking about being passive or timid or 
ashamed of the gospel. Paul was anything but that, but he was referring to his spirit and his attitude, his desires when he was meek and submitted to the Lord. When he consecrated those things to the Lord, he says, that's when I'm strong. There's some Bible examples of those who were considered meek. Brother John read one of them about Moses. He's an Old Testament example, and we also will look at the life of Christ. Moses, it says, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were born upon the face of the earth. Would anyone say Moses was weak? I don't think we would. He was one of the strongest, most powerful leaders the world has ever seen. You think about the things that Moses did and was called upon to do. Stood up to Pharaoh. Led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage after over 400 years. He ordered the execution of 3,000 idolaters. You know the account as he went up to receive the commandments. And after 40 days... The people thought, what's happened in this Moses? And they, they formed an idol, and as he came down, they were worshiping that idol, and he executed 3,000 of those idolaters that day. He led a rebellious and complaining people through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses had to live in tents right along with the rest of them. He endured the same hardships and the trials of living in the wilderness and in the desert. Moses was anything but weak. But it says he was the meekest man. Well, what made Moses meek? Well, we see here Moses had a selfless devotion to God and to God's people. It says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you realize Moses was in a position Many historians say he could have even possibly been the next pharaoh of Egypt, raised in the king's palaces, but he forsook all of that to serve God and to serve God's people. Moses never, ever acted in retaliation or self-defense. You know, people seem like they could just run roughshod over Moses. Whenever his own authority was challenged, you know what he did? He fell on his face before the Lord never took up the fight for himself. Now, of course, when God's authority was challenged, it was a different story altogether. And uh, even when he slew those idolatrous worshipers there, he was acting on God's behalf, but not his own. But when it came to defending himself, he fell on his face before the Lord. And often God took up the fight for him. When that account there, if you read the rest of that account, God called Aaron and Miriam out there, and Miriam was afflicted with leprosy. Moses pled for her and interceded, and God healed her another time when they were rebelling. And God told Moses, you know, I'll destroy these people. I'll raise you up a new generation. Now, if Moses had a little less meekness, he probably said, you know, God, that sounds like a good idea. These people are really getting on my nerves. But he did, and he said, Lord, if you blot their name out, blot mine out with them. So Moses had a selfless devotion to God and to God's people, never acted in retaliation or self-defense. Moses had a willingness to obey God. Many times we read, and God spake unto Moses, and Moses obeyed, with the exception of one time. One time Moses let that anger 
become unbridled when God said, speak to the rock. And Moses in anger struck the rock. God called him on that. And as a result of that, he was not able to go into the promised land. God said, you'll see it with your eyes, but I'm not going to permit you to go in because I wasn't glorified in the sight of the people. It must have been terribly disappointing to Moses. And yet we see even after that, Moses willingly submitted to God's authority. He willingly led those children of Israel up to the very edge of the promised land. The Bible says God himself buried Moses. You read about that in Deuteronomy 34 on Mount Nebo there. But Moses was faithful, willing to obey. Moses had no selfish ambitions. You read again by the choices he made. He proved that in his life. Hebrews 11, it says, When he came to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Chose rather to suffer again with the children of God. It said he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. It said because he had respect under the recompense of the reward, he knew that by submitting to the Lord, following the Lord humbly and meekly, even if it required great sacrifice, the eternal reward would be worth it all. So Moses, he had no selfish ambitions, wasn't in it for himself. Again, the definition of meekness is a willingness to forego one's own rights for the benefit of others. Certainly it would be a good description of Moses. Well, we have a greater example than even Moses. We have the example of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus described himself as meek and lowly in heart. Moses was a good example. He was the best example we have in the Old Testament, but Christ is the perfect example. Christ is one greater than Moses. Even in the Word of God, it says that Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Christ was the most powerful man who ever lived. We know not only was he fully man, but he was fully God. Christ, he said of himself, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Imagine for a moment the power that Christ possessed. Jesus could have done absolutely anything he wanted to do. There were no restraints to what Christ could do. But how did he use this incredible power? Well, we read throughout scriptures, he used that power to heal the lepers. He used his power to restore sight to the blind. He used that incredible power to cast out devils. He even used that power to raise the dead to calm the seas and to control the elements. We know the different accounts when the disciples were afraid and in the boat and with a spoken word, Jesus calmed the seas and they, they marveled. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He used his power to protect the sanctity of God's house. You know, when those men were uh, selling that merchandise there in the temple and said, Jesus made a scourge of whips and drove them out of the temple. Even in that, he was acting in meekness because he was acting on behalf of God. The zeal of the Lord wouldn't allow God's house to be defiled, but he used it to protect the sanctity of God's house. He used his meekness, his power, excuse me, to feed the hungry. Time and time again, we read of 
the Lord feeding great multitudes at least a few times with just a small amount of food, knowing that many that were there in that crowd were only there for the free lunch. Jesus even said in one place, he said, you're here only for the loaves and fishes, but in spite of their motives, Jesus used his power for good to feed the hungry. He used his power to confound the foolishness of the scribes and Pharisees. He spoke truth to them. He exposed their hypocrisy in the hopes that they would realize their bankrupt spiritual condition and repent. Never do you read where Jesus ever used his power for selfish reasons. Never used his power as a way of retaliation. Never used his power to promote himself. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He always used it to glorify his Father, and he always used it for the blessing and the benefit of others. We see ultimate power under ultimate control. That's why Jesus said, I'm meek. Certainly he was. John 3.17 says, For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to mete out retribution. He came to bring restoration. That's why Christ came. That's why he used his power. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. He wasn't on a search and destroy mission. He was on a search and rescue mission. Jesus always used his power for the benefit of others. You even read the account in Matthew, the 26th chapter, when they had... Come to arrest Jesus. They conspired against Christ and Judas had betrayed him. And as they were coming there to arrest him and take him away and have that false trial and crucify him, it says that as they came there to arrest him, one of his own disciples took his sword and started swinging. And Jesus told him, put your sword up. He said, don't you know that even now I could pray to my father and he would give me more than 12 legions of angels That's over 70,000 angels at the Lord's disposal. But he said, how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus at any time could have extricated himself out of that situation. Even when Jesus was on the cross and people were challenging him saying, if you're the son of God, take yourself off that cross. Christ could have done that. Jesus had the power to do that. But he says, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus was willing to lay all that power aside for our benefit, for our good, so that we could be saved, so that we could go free. First Peter 2.23 says, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. With his own body, he bore our sins on the tree. In Christ's meekness, he committed himself to God's plan for our good. So thankful, you know, we realize that because of Christ's humility and meekness, he provides us with all of the strength and all the power that we'll ever need in this life and in the life to come. You read a lot of promises in God's word, and a lot of them are referring to future promises, even the verse there we read, it speaks about the meek inheriting the earth. We know that's referring to a time in the future during the millennial reign. 
But you know, meekness will bring many present-day blessings in your life. Even today, God's Word gives us some wonderful promises to those who are meek. How many need peace this morning? I don't need to see a show of hands because I'm sure we'd have 100%. But Psalms 37.11 says, The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Meekness brings joy. Isaiah 29.19 says, The meek shall increase their joy in the Lord. Meekness brings God's help and strength. Meekness allows God to fight our battles for us. Psalm 147.6 says, The Lord lifteth up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. Meekness allows us to be teachable. It says, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. That's Psalm 25. Verse 9 in James 1.21, it instructs us, it says, With meekness receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The only way we can be saved and receive the word of God and receive salvation is in meekness and humility. Meekness helps us when instructing others. Second Timothy in tw- verse chapter 25, it says, In meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, you're going to encounter people that will oppose the truth. You will encounter people that will oppose themselves, and you will even encounter people that may oppose you. But it says in meekness or to instruct them, always bearing in mind, but for the grace of God, there go I. What's the point? It says that peradventure God would give them repentance. It isn't about winning an argument or proving who's right or talking the other person down. It's in the hopes that that person will realize and God will give them repentance and to the acknowledging of the truth. Certainly that should be the goal for those that are lost. Meekness compels us to forgive, frees us from malice and a vengeful spirit. Meekness enables us to bear reproaches patiently and even lovingly. Doesn't that sound good? We're going to have reproaches and we may have to bear them. We can even bear them patiently. But to be able to do it patiently and lovingly, that is a big thing. But God says meekness. Meekness will allow us to do that. Meekness offers us immunity and protection from the day of God's wrath. We know there is a day of judgment coming upon this whole world. When the godless and the proud and the sinful, God will pour out his wrath and fury upon those during that time. It says the meek shall inherit the earth. We know that. And that will be after the wicked and the unrighteous and the strong have destroyed themselves. And then God will come and set up his kingdom. But we want to be spared from that day of wrath. In Zephaniah 2.3 it says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment, and seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Certainly we want to escape the wrath of God, and through meekness and humility, seeking the Lord, we can do that. You know, in closing, read some verses here from Matthew chapter 11. 
This is Jesus actually, he's extending an invitation. And I believe he's even extending that invitation here this morning. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you heavy laden this morning? Do you need rest for your soul? Maybe you're in the midst of a chaotic situation. You know, just living in this world puts us in a place like that sometimes. But Jesus has promised rest. The Lord has promised peace. The Lord has promised victory and deliverance. It can be yours. You know, you can ask the Lord to give you that spirit of meekness. The only way we receive any virtue or anything from the Lord, it's the same way we have to admit that we need it. We humble ourselves and then we ask the Lord in faith. God will answer that prayer. If you're not saved this morning, if you're willing to humble yourself, meekly accept that invitation, God will save you this very day. If you need to be sanctified, humble yourself, consecrate, bring those things under the Lord's control, God will sanctify you. If you need to be filled with this Holy Spirit and empowered for service, God can do that for you this morning. May God bless you. We're going to sing 551. These altars are open.